Good morning, Chair City Church. Woo! Man, you're right with me. The level of excitement stays the same. I love it. Want to welcome all of you to the second week of our grand opening, huh? It's just great. And like Chris was saying, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Next week, last week, get out there, invite your friends. We want to just keep this going. I'm so glad you joined us, my friends and my guests, to this second week of our current teaching series. May the force be with you. Now, in this series, we've been, we've been identifying spiritual themes in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, we actually do that. We go into the movie and we, and we see, is there anything particular, a trend, a thread of a, a, something thematic in there that we can pull out and then go to the Bible and see what it says about that. Now, today we're going to pull a theme from episode two, Attack of the Clones. Now, if you're not a big Star Wars fan or if you're just not a fan at all, right, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the movie. Uh, if you're not huge on Star Wars, we're not going to lose you. Now, one of the main characters in this film is Count Dooku. Now, I'm going to pause because my kids told me I slaughtered some of the pronunciation of Star Wars characters last week. I'll live. You'll live. We'll be okay. So I don't know if it's Dooku or Doku, whatever. So this Dooku guy was once a respected Jedi master. He's one of the good guys, and at one point, at some point, he compromises his Jedi vows, and he goes to the dark side. Now, instead of working for peace with the, for the Galactic Republic, which is kind of like the United States, but it's, you know, it's kind of this conglomeration of planets that have decided to come together in unity and peace, instead of doing that and, and working to keep that and working alongside, he now he's leading this separatist movement, and he recruits a number of planets to secede, to move away from the Galactic Republic, all for a terrible agenda. And this creates the possibility, maybe likelihood, of a civil war. Now, Senator Padme Amidala tries to get the Senate to approve the creation of a clone army that will assist the Jedi, these are the good guys now, against the threat of the Separatist movement and Count Dooku. Now, Count Dooku takes objection to this and he sends out assassins to take her out, to kill Senator Amidala, who last week was Queen Amidala, if you're not following this, okay. <laughs> now, the rest, of the, movie, the rest of the movie simply records the drama that takes place as the Jedi Knights Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker try their best to protect Senator Amidala, and try and investigate and flesh out who's behind this whole mess. So in this movie, we're dealing with civil war, we're dealing with strife, we're dealing with division. The kingdom of the Galactic Republic is divided against itself. And the whole mess can all be traced back to what? To Count Dooku's compromise of his Jedi vows. That's what we're going to talk about today, compromise. We're going to look into First Kings, We'll be in chapter 9, but we'll be jumping around 1 Kings chapter 1 through chapter 12 a lot. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. The Bible is really, it's, it's one great story, but we know it is Old Testament and New Testament. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. And in this section of the Bible, in 1 Kings, we find a story of compromise in a person's life. Now, the story is going to pick up in chapter 9, but I want to give you some background. Last week we talked about 
when God blows up our minds, huh? I had a ball talking to you up here last week. I walked out of here floating. And the example that we talked about was a, a, from the life of a man named David who had a plan. David was the king of Israel, and he wanted to build a great, magnificent temple for God. But God tells David, no, I don't want you to do it. It's not going to be you. It's going to be your son. Well, sure enough, here we are now years later, and Solomon, King David's son, he's on the scene. And Solomon becomes king, and he asks God for wisdom. God grants it to him. Solomon builds the temple that David wanted to build. Solomon builds this grand temple, builds himself a palace, encourages, leads the nation spiritually, personally, behaviorally, leads the nation to be faithful to their God. Now chapter 9, our story picks up, and now we see where the compromise comes in. You see, God appears to Solomon a second time, as he did in chapter 3 of 1 Kings, but this time he doesn't grant Solomon a wish, if you will. This time he gives Solomon some conditions. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 through 7. God says to Solomon, If you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. But, meaning on the other hand, if you turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them. So God is being very straightforward with Solomon. If you live for me, I'm going to bless you. But if you turn away from me and start living a life of compromise, it's going to result in trouble. And I just want to clarify something. God is not telling Solomon and not calling him to live a perfect life. No one could ever meet those conditions. Solomon himself says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 46, there is no one who does not sin. So God's not talking about perfection here, rather direction. God's telling Solomon that if the general direction of his life is one of integrity and uprightness, he will be blessed. But if the general direction of his life is one of compromise, the result will result in the result will be trouble. So don't, don't miss this picture. Solomon is on top of the world. He's, he's king of the most powerful nation on earth. He's rich. He's powerful. He's famous. He's got a ton of wisdom. He's just completed building, perhaps likely, not certainly, one of the most magnificent buildings on the face of the earth, God's temple. This is a big deal. And here he is now in his prime, the nation of Israel is at her peak, and God comes along and says, hey, here's how not to mess this up. If the direction of your life is one of integrity and uprightness, I'm going to bless you. But if the general direction of your life is compromise, there's going to be trouble. Compromise brings us trouble. Compromise brings Dave Trelongo trouble. Compromise brings you trouble. You need to know this today and it brings trouble to the ones we love. Sadly, as we continue reading, Solomon chooses not to meet God's conditions. Instead, Solomon chooses compromise over trust, and those will be the two that we battle with. Will we compromise or will we trust? He did this in several areas of his life. 
He did this with his occupation. He did this with his spirituality. He did this with finances. He did this with relationships. We compromise. Uh, some of us compromise in our relationships. I see that as a pastor. Uh, of course, we don't get it when we're in the midst of going down that road in such a critical area in our lives, you know. Uh, you know, we, and often when I see that take place, especially in those who are in the faith, I see it take place in those who are not in the faith. I, I would prescribe that to, um, you know, lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge of God, the God who created them, the God who knows them, the God who knit them in their mother's womb, the God who has a plan and a purpose for them, that not knowing that, they're more prone to perhaps not knowing all who they are and what they could be, and, and they compromise as they move forward in relationships. That's my thought. When it comes to those who are believers, perhaps, I'd say that the compromise takes place prior to selecting someone who we're going to have share life with. It takes place first in that relationship with God, you know, where, where somewhere in that honesty and that openness and that communion with God, there, there, there is a compromise there, which really means a lack of trust somewhere. And then we begin to set out and do things on our own, you know, and somehow this is better than being alone. And it is not. Take it from a pastor, <laughs> you know, uh, it's not. And, and we move out into some of these relationships uh, that can cause a whole lot of mess. Some could even be in relationship with someone who believes in God, is in a relationship with someone who doesn't believe in God, or it's, you know, it's kind of like okay, and, and uh, you know, it's like it's a nice thing, and it's a good thing, and we'll participate. But I'm, I'm telling you, I have never, ever in my time seen that relationship go well. Let me say it again, I have never. And I have never seen that person who is kind of like okay, like sort of woman fuzzy on it, actually morph into something greater than that. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm saying it's so unusual, right, that that happens. That's my wife when, you know, we were like an, you know, and I'm not knocking online dating, by the way. I mean, my wife, my wife, my uh, brother met his wife uh, on, it was something out there, and she's a wonderful woman. Uh, they didn't have that stuff when me and Christy met, but uh, I think we would have been kind of, I want to be careful here. Um, <laughs> I seen the word force when I look back and, I mean, you know, there was, here was, I guess, beauty and the beast. Christy was this beautiful person and I was this beast. How's that? <laughs> and, uh, but she locked and loaded on her relationship with God. She locked and loaded and, and, and she not only did she not compromise in her faith, she actually, you know, toyed with me and played around with me. She upped it. She literally increased her faith. She went the other way and said, okay, I'm here. This is me and my God. Uh, if you want to come and play in the sandbox, this is where I'm at, you know? And so, you know, the rest is history, right? But he, he, I want to check. Here's what happened in Solomon's life. See, you see, God had some very specific rules for an Israelite king, and they were laid out in the book of Deuteronomy, also in the Old Testament, before first kings, not right before, but prior to that, in chapter 17. And, and this is what God says to, any, to the king of Israel. He, the king, must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. And we see, in, as a result of this, we see in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. And listen what happens with Solomon. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from the Hittites. 
I don't know if I'm better at saying Star Wars characters or these, these cities. So the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them, these women from the foreign nations, because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. So, yeah, huh? <laughs> In the time, he was his own in harmony. In the time of Solomon, see, do, but let me give you some background here. In Solomon's time, so Solomon was the most powerful man on earth. The nation of Israel was the most powerful nation on earth. So what that was, so to the nations that surrounded Israel, maybe were 500 to 1,000 miles away, they lived in this kind of a constant fear that of them being taken over by the nation of Israel. Uh, Solomon was a wheeler and a dealer, my words. And uh, so what they did was, and this was a customary practice in those times, and, and considered wisdom to them, they would go and offer the king of, one of a surrounding nation or a nation within, say, a thousand miles, would take his most attractive daughter and offer it to Solomon as a wife. So that princess would go and marry Solomon, and now the, king's, the king from the surrounding nation would say, okay, well, now I don't have to worry, I can rest, because now we're kind of like family, right? Now he's my, you know, he's marrying my daughter, we're in good shape. And so Solomon did that to the tune of 700 royal princesses, right? <laughs> but in doing that, Solomon compromised the conditions God had set, the instructions God had given to him. And when it says that Solomon's wives turned his heart away from God, it's the real deal here. So I want you to pause and see the deterioration and how one compromise leads to other compromises and how we can go so far from being in one place, which is right before God, to another place where we wake up one morning and it's like, how did I get here? How did I wind up in this relationship? How did I get in this place, this way of thinking? How have I gotten on this course of life and this, what is going on? And you, you see that happen in Solomon's life. You see these wives, they worship these ladies, they worship false gods. Ashtoreth was worshipped by the, by the princess from Sidon. And Ashtoreth was a Sidonian fertility goddess. So, in order, and, and Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth with his wife. And in order to do that, worship of Ashtoreth involved uh, sexual rituals. It involved engaging with prostitutes and prostitution. Solomon married one of the Ammonite princesses, and she introduced Solomon to the worship of her god Molech. And the worship of Molech involved human sacrificing, often sacrifice of children is brutal. I mean, sacrificing of children is brutal. In the manner and how they would go about it was brutal. So God had told Solomon to live with integrity and to live upright. And man, if you're married to a thousand women, there ain't too much upright going on in your life, right? Upright is out the door. God told Solomon not to worship the gods. And yet the Bible tells us in 1 King chapter 11, verse 6 through 8, in this way Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemesh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. 
Solomon built such shrines for all his foreign wives, and he had a lot of them to use for burning incenses and sacrificing to their gods. So Solomon could have trusted in his God, our God. He could have lived by the conditions and directions that God had given to him. But instead, sadly, Solomon chose not to. He chose to compromise. I want to toss out a definition of compromise to you. It's to accept standards that are lower than is desirable. Truly, Solomon accepted standards that were so much less than what God desired. So much less than what God desired for him. The Bible says God delights in us. So now, yeah, okay, I'm with you. So we've talked about the conditions. We've talked about compromise. And now I want to talk to you about consequences quickly. First Kings chapter 11, verse 9 through 12 says, The Lord was very angry at Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord. That is the result of compromise. His heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out, tear it, tear it out of the hand of your son. Okay. Now somebody, some of you might say, wow, he got off easy. He kind of escaped. I don't know about that. I'm a parent. And man, the thought of seeing one of my children suffer because of my actions, that's painful, huh? Yeah. But that's what consequence does. The thought of one of my children suffering loss as a direct result of my behavior is painful. And I will experience some of that in my lifetime. I am confident. <laughs> Chris and I talk about that all the time. We do the best we can to repent, to turn to God. Because if there was an area where we have, might have compromised, and there are at times... We, we just want to repent. I mean, we want to turn from the direction we're going in, which is in a specific area in our life. We've now compromised. We're not trusting God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Say, pause, stop that. We're going to turn now and go back to that deep well of trusting God. We're going to get our comfort. We're going to get our peace. We're going to get clarity and comfort, huh? And this assurance that all will be well, beginning with our soul. And then we'll set out now to speak clarity and and wisdom into our children's lives, ask them forgiveness, huh? And that's cool. I'm good with that. Because I know, as I said before, if I don't speak into my children's lives, the enemy will, right? He'll fill that hole, man, and, and be better. The Bible says to be courageous, to be strong, to stand firm in your faith, and to do everything in love. So, yeah, and, and so, and we see that. We see this play out. In the 12th chapter of 1 Kings, we see... Rehoboam, Solomon's son, become king, rule over the kingdom, and sure enough, we see the division come in. And now it was once 12 tribes becomes 10 tribes, northern kingdom, two tribes, southern kingdom, don't get along. It plays out for a long time. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but, but for 300 years, those northern tribes don't see a godly king. They, they go on now continually practicing all of what Solomon put in place. And even probably half the kings over on the southern side, they struggle as well. 
So you see, Solomon's sins affected him. Solomon's compromise, which resulted in him sinning, they affected him deeply. They affected his relationship with God. They affected his children and their relationship with God. They affected his nation. I want you to see the seriousness of compromise. I want you to be mindful of compromise. I don't want you to just, you know, you know, because you, our own self-narratives can be so loud and so strong and we're so accustomed to them, right? And they happen so quickly, don't even, we don't even know it's coming. Our emotions kick in and before we know, we've already, we've already had a judge, jury, we've already decided we're going to go the route of compromise. We're comfortable with it, it's okay, no problem but I want you to be aware of what's actually going on, and I want you to, to know how damaging it can be. In the movie, Attack of the Clones, there's a part there, I was watching with my boys and uh, my girls, where Obi-Wan Kenobi, he says this, uh, he tells, actually, I'm going to talk about it later. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm all excited about this. But right now, what I can tell you is that compromise you see it not only in this movie, but even in other now is Anakin if starts to compromise his vows to the Jedi. Anakin starts to compromise his relationships. And actually, that sets the tone for not only the next movie, but really for the rest, the whole, um, the whole Star Wars saga is birthed out of, out of that, in my opinion. So here's the thing. So now you know how serious it is. How do you guard against such compromise? How do you take that stand? And here it is. One, I give you one thing to consider, one thing to embrace, one thing to hold on to today. Trust by faith that God knows best. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you know better than God. You don't. It's not that you're not intelligent. It's not that you don't have potential. You just don't know better than God who desires to give you eternity who desires to give you peace, who desires to give you joy. I believe in that wholeheartedly. When I looked up the definition of compromise, there were two definitions. I've given you one, because that one I felt lined up directly with the topic we were talking about. But there was another definition. And I think it's reasonable for me to give you a suggestion here. And I'm going to take a liberty to kind of glean into what was going on in Solomon's head, heart, and mind. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but again, I think it's reasonable that I would suggest this to you. And I think it, it kind of lines up with the other definition I found in the dictionary. And here it is. Compromise. To settle a dispute by mutual concession. So now what I'm saying to you for your consideration is this. That there was an internal dispute going on inside of Solomon. Right? See, I can't bring myself to, to grasp that Solomon had no idea what was going on. That Solomon was just oblivious to his compromising God's will and God's way. I mean, Solomon's a wise man. In chapter 3, God appears to Solomon for the first time, and he says, ask me for anything you want, and Solomon asks God for wisdom. Come on, what a great place he's in. Not gold, not woman, not even one gal. <laughs> just give me wisdom. Give me the ability to take my knowledge of you, God, and live it out in life, because that's wisdom. Give me the ability, God, to hear you, to know you, and to live out trust in you in my life, God. That's wisdom. 
And it says in chapter 4 that God gave Solomon wisdom. It says God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. So Solomon had a pretty keen idea of what was going on, right? He had a ton of wisdom. He had a ton of selfish nature. And the two did battle within Solomon. This is what I'm proposing. That Solomon had to settle a dispute that was going on inside of him. And he compromised in doing so. He settled the dispute by mutual concession. I think this is what you and I do sometimes, right? There's this thing going on inside of us. You know, as I say, this, this internal dialogue. Our self is talking to ourself, right? And it can be pretty difficult. I remember when I first started coming, when I'd made my, I made like several attempts to be, you know, to, to be a Christian, to trust in God. And as I, it was just, I, I'd get headaches because of this internal struggle that would be going on, you know? Do I do this? Don't I do this? I, I, oh. Really, I just could not come. As I so told Christy, I just can't trust in God like you do. I mean, it makes sense and it's, it's good and, you know, and I get it. It just doesn't float my boat. I just can't just get on board with it, you know? I get it when I'm around it. It makes me, I feel better. I, I, I believe it. I think you're doing a great thing. I see people in the streets, you need, you need to go to God. I'm talking to this way. You, you need to go to church, you know? But it, I just can't hang in there with it. It was just too difficult because of this internal struggle that was going on inside of me. And I think what happens is what we do is to settle this struggle, we kind of make concessions. Solomon settled for less than what God desired for him. He conceded to his own, own desires, right? We concede. And in doing so, Solomon compromised. I think we do the same. Be careful and be aware of that internal struggle that's going on inside of you. Be careful not to concede. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, in the movie, he's turning to Anakin, and Anakin is already beginning now to compromise. It's the very, very initial onset. And Obi-Wan looks at him and he says, Anakin, be mindful of your thoughts because they will betray you. My friends, our thoughts at times will betray us, yes? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They will massage us, assure us into the compromise. After all, you know your life. I mean, God's over here, and God loves you. And God, but, 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 I mean, he, and what it said there, I mean, you know, thousands of years ago, that, I mean, does it apply right here, right now in this situation? I mean, maybe, you know, but not, not like pinpoint right here, this decision, this relationship, in my occupation, how am I going to handle my money? What am I going to say to this person? Am I going to ask them for forgiveness? Maybe not exactly here, right? And, and, and I'll do this now, or I won't do this now, and then, you know, we'll work it out. We'll kind of flush this out as time goes on. And I'll really bring in, you know, that, that truth from God. That, and I'll really apply it then, right? But for now, you know, we're just going to kind of take one day at a time. And what do we do, huh? Our thoughts have betrayed us. We've listened to ourselves talking to us instead of listening to God, the Holy Spirit, raising up convictions in us, in us bringing us to action and standing for our faith. And saying, man, I am mindful that that which is in my head is not of God. It does not line up with the truth of God. You know what? I don't even need to open up the Bible. I know deep down inside, right here, right now, that is not the right thing. That does not honor God. It just simply does not honor God. I always tell people, they're like, well, is that sinful? I'm like, well, you know, you got one thing, is it sinful? But on the other hand, does it honor God? Does it build your spirit, man? 
is good going to come from it? And the thing is, you can do good. You are made for good. Did you get me? You are made for good. You are made for greatness. I believe that with all my heart. And God desires good, and God desires greater things for you. Don't compromise. Be mindful of your thoughts that betray you and come to you from your adversary who looks to destroy you. And so God gives us conditions, and he tells us there are consequences, and that there are blessings, and the battle goes on. Do we live for the Spirit? Do we live for the self? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. I think it was the first scripture, I, I, one of the first scriptures that I kind of really tuned in on. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from that Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, it says, If you live according to the sinful nature, then you will die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you'll live. Listen, don't settle. For when you settle, you choose pain. You choose loss for you and the people you love. Instead, live by the Spirit and choose life. Choose life abundantly and splash life to those you love, man. You're going to highly likely today you will come into contact with somebody you love. Splash life to them. Hold to, the, to God's word. Hold to the convictions that God has placed. Love them. Forgive them. Comfort them. Encourage them. Let them see your example of how you glorify, how you're enjoying God and glorifying, right? Let them see that. Lift them up. And know that you're doing so not only for you and God and for them, but for your grandchildren, your nephews, your nieces, your friends. This is what we do, yes? Amen. Worship team, why don't you come on up? If you choose to follow and obey God's conditions, His decrees, His commands, His instructions, you will live. You will have life, abundant life. The greatest thing that came into my life when I began to trust in Jesus, accept him as my Lord and Savior, began to talk with God was the way I saw the world, the way I viewed people. It just all changed for the better. I thought, man, I, I haven't been living. I've, I've been living in life. And I lived in, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, New York City, every day, every night, here, there, and yet I'm like, man, I've been living in a box. I've missed the world. But to God be the glory, he opened my eyes, and I got to see God, not my world, right? My world was very small, and God's world was massive and incredible. And my place in that world, little old me, has been such a joy and such a privilege. And I just invite you to take that road, to take on that view, and to know that's what God has for you. Listen, if you choose God, you live. Today, choose not to compromise. Choose hope. Choose strength. Choose peace. Choose courage. Choose joy. Choose to come to a greater life and a greater way of living. Why don't you stand with me today as you close it out? I went to a concert Friday night, and uh, it was, we had a blast. It was a great time. 
Uh, my kids are addicted to concerts. So, uh, and uh, I, want you to, I, want them, I want you to throw a picture up. You have the picture up? That's a cool, uh, that's one. Stay right there. Stay with that right there. Don't move it. Check that out. That's incredible, right? I think that that's a little glimpse, I mean a small glimpse of what heaven's going to look like, huh? Just everyone, all different, there's no compromise, I mean just everyone coming together, they read a passage out of the Bible, out of the scripture, about worshiping God, about honoring and praising God, and then in unison, Everybody, with no compromise, with little compromise, came together and just praised God. It was powerful, man. And that's a glimpse of what heaven is. That's what God is inviting you to. And that's what compromise is calling you away from. You need to see it for what it is. Be mindful of what the intent is of the compromise, no matter how small. It is to draw you away and to pull you away from that eternity, man, from living in eternity with your heavenly Father, praising Him and thanking Him and knowing the depth of His love. If you're in here today and you're saying, you know what? I don't want to live a life filled with compromise. Hey, if you were me, my whole life was a compromise. I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to have those negative consequences. I'm going to be honest with myself today. I, don't, I want to avoid what I know is coming from these consequences. Most of all, I want to e avoid eternal damnation, the other side of that, huh? of living apart from God forever. Today, Will you choose to meet God's one condition for you, one condition of eternity, one condition of salvation, and that is will you trust in Jesus Christ? Will you trust that Christ died on the cross for you and sins have been forgiven, that you today, right now, can be in right position before God to talk to God boldly and confidently. You can approach the throne of grace and mercy. God, I need you, and know that he is with you. And you have met that condition. Well, if you bow your heads with me, everyone, I'm going to lead that person who's here today in a prayer.